Welcome to Machine Learning. I want to talk about the infinite energy state of the universe. One of the theories that Einstein created was that the universe is a mass, is spherical, and that it's moving away from us at a faster uh, speed, suggesting that the universe is um, is accelerating. That idea actually is incorrect. The universe is moving at the same speed. It's uniform and homogeneous. And there is no end to matter and there is no end to space. Now, he did get the equation E equals MC squared correct. There is nothing in the universe faster than light, but it doesn't necessarily describe the shape of the universe because the universe can be explained in higher dimensions called the manifold. And that makes possible for wormhole. Now, he did create in his original equations um, the definition for a wormhole. Now, if we study particle physics, high energy physics, um, we can see that that the quark that forms different parts of the molecules, and you have um, different spins on those quarks, and then you have anti-quarks. But you can also describe matter as a lattice, and energy flowing through the Borlogrino energy field. And then when you look at the electric universe theory, it suggests that plasma is the most abundant matter in the universe. And as far as we can see, there is no end to matter. And the matter is being created all the time. So we could definitely conclude from the fact that matter is being created all the time that the, the universe has infinite energy. Uh, so that's kind of a, a difference where the evolutionists, solar evolutionists, have argued that our sun will burn out in 600,000 years. However, if the Borlogino energy is in the universe and the ether, which uh, Einstein called the ether, and then he created a cons cosmological constant, and then we had uh, quantum mechanics that began to form the mathematics that explains some of the natural phenomena we were observing at the subatomic particle level. Then we could conclude that uh, the universe is electric, that there's large currents in the universe, and the, these currents are creating plasma. And that the, the, the mechanics behind that is quark particles. So they are forming, the energy is being converted from energy into matter, 
and it's manifesting itself in the form of plasma. And so our sun will not burn out in 600,000 years, as predicted by evolution scientists. Because they're using this idea of uh, fusion as the explanation for the way the sun operates. So they're saying that that uh, helium is com or hydrogen is converting into helium, and then helium is is uh, burning and converting will eventually convert into neutrons. And that process of nuclear, it's almost like a transfusion. Of mutation, gold led to gold type of idea, and so that alchemy argument has been very convincing in the scientific community, and yet it's interesting that they have never been able to make it work, even in the high energy uh, atomic like reactors or ITER, they've never been able that to make that work net positive because the idea of pushing the atom together so close that it fuses and transmutes into another element um, can't overcome the nuclear forces. So there's Coulomb forces and strong forces and weak forces. So there's like universal laws of the subatomic particles and atoms that um, they can't overcome. And so they, their, their idea is, well, just make it bigger and try to, to generate more electricity in the billionth of a second, in the picosecond. I don't like high-energy fusion energy production. I think it's a, it's a tax more than it is a viable solution for producing unlimited energy. But the universe itself operates in an infinite energy model. And the it, it was interesting because in the early parts of the 50s, they were experimenting with and saying that energy was being created by a sea field. So they didn't even, you know, try to explain it from the subatomic particle, the natural um, forces, forces of, of nature. They didn't want to explain it from quark theory, but they just said there's this field, and we think that it's generating matter, uh, and that matter is homogeneous in the in the universe. Well, then. They started doing accelerators, CERN did accelerators, and they're smashing atoms. And they came up with this idea that there is a God particle, uh, an infinite, would require infinite energy, and it would generate matter. So the, 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 the nuclear physicists were trying to explain the generation of matter because they, they realized that if you take all the observable matter, it didn't explain for the gravitational forces that they were observing. And so they came up with the idea of dark matter and dark energy. Both are, are not, not don't exist. Dark matter, dark energy don't exist. Um, and 
if they did exist and if we could create it, uh, it would be an unbelievable amount of energy. So the idea of creating antimatter or gathering antimatter particles to then uh, create annihilation with matter and generating phenomenal amounts of energy does not exist. And I don't know what those, but that phenomena that they're gathering in the high-speed accelerators are, but it, uh, not sure what that is. But the idea of dark matter and dark energy is not uh, an ex it is not an explainable scientific phenomenon. And so the only thing it can be done is it, it has to be, uh, they have to back into the equation and work through the math in reverse. It's almost like the, it's interesting, for science is kind of strange about that, but for a long time everything was explained from string theories, that, that there were these harm, uh, harmonious vibrating strings and then they had kind of like this virtual particle that's being created from this other dimension that's vibrating. And so the different levels of vibration would create matter in that sense. I don't think string theory is uh, gonna, will be explainable either because I think mechanics is three-dimensional. You have three dimensions. You have length, width, height, and the idea of going to 10-dimensional space like Hawkins suggested or M model, is it doesn't work. I mean, it, it takes the smart people in the world, and I'm not talking the people with, you know, 130 IQ. I'm talking people with push 160 IQ. And it's not going to be convincible to them. So you have to come up with a different mechanical explanation, and that mechanical explanation is, has to be in the quark theory and the electric theory of the universe is that there's electricity, because without the electrical properties, how do you create that plasma? And so this generation of plasma has caught a lot of people attention in electric universe theory because it, it it refutes a lot of the existing 300 years of dark age science that we've been in. And I think Wolfram Alpha realized that too in some of his discoveries with cellular automa where he was running these little small programs but they were describing these bigger tapestries in the universe, things like brains, things like thermodynamics, things like the theory of relativity. And he was finding that these small little algorithms were describing these much larger phenomena. So it's like, a, you know, micro versus macro. Well, let's look at now, why, why not the expanding universe? Why not the idea that we're moving faster and faster? Well, if if these things were true, if Einstein's theory of, of the spherical expanding universe and the redshift, um, 
were not the phenomena of mass, then we would say we're accelerating and time is slowing down because according to the theory of relativity, the faster you approach the speed of light, the slower time becomes. So like if you were in a spaceship and you were traveling close to the speed of light and you were looking through a portal back on Earth, your speed would begin to slow down, your relative clock would begin to slow down, and the clock of the people that you were observing would be speeding up. So you could travel 70 light years, um, but your clock, your, your internal clock may only have elapsed one year, if you, the faster you get to the speed of light. And so you look at these ion drives that can achieve speeds, let's say, of 200,000 miles per hour. Um, but if you were on that spaceship going to Mars, maybe your internal clock would be, and I don't know what the ratio would be, but it would be slower than on Earth. So as you get back to Earth, if you ever could, make the journey to Mars and back, then your clock would be different from the clock people's here. And so that's one of the interesting ideas of quantum is that we all have our own time clock. So how are we um, how are we able to exist and understand and function and a lot of in in time? And the theory is is our brain uh, is able is a quantum brain, not just a series of neurons and synaptic connections, but it, it also is a quantum mechanism. There's something about the way we process in time that allows us to have different clocks. And um, they they used the they were able to prove that time the theory relatively does work is by using. Uh, high-speed planes and going in different directions and they had different relative speeds and as a result there were changes in the clock, elapsed time on the clock. And uh, and that was a powerful observation that was made that the theory of relativity did work. And so later with the GPS they had to account for the theory of relativity in their equations for GPS. Alright, so we know that gravity bends space, light, We've, because it was proven early that the theory of relativity was correct by looking at Einstein's lens. In other words, that they saw a universe behind, uh, it looked like a, maybe a globular universe, and that there was a, the same universe on both sides of the lens, and therefore they realized that large mass uh, bodies of universes with millions of stars in it could bend light and light was a particle of called a photon, massless, uh, 
but yet influenced by this gravitational mass that was out there, and it bent. So light has two properties. It has a property of uh, wavelength, electromagnetic spectrum, and then it has the quantum element called the photon. Really like quantum physics. It's very interesting. Uh, I remember when I was a kid watching science movies that my dad had. He was teaching science and he'd bring these reels home. And the way they detected quark particles is they would accelerate um, a particle, and I don't remember what the particle type was, and through electromagnets, they could direct that particle, aim it, and collide it in with another particle, and then they had plates that they could see these little particles um, being shattered, and they gave those particles little names. Um, but then I don't know at what point that they decided that, okay, the atom is composed of subatomic particles that through accelerator can be shattered, and we they can then deduce the composition of the molecule or the atom. I've better said the atom because a molecule is made of protons, neutrons, and electrons. But the mechanics of force suggest that it really is all new quarks, that you can explain the composition of a neutron, like the quark, Orlegrino, energy flow, and the strange quark, and the down quark, and the up quark, and the charges, negative or positive, on those quarks and the anti-quarks. And so by building these lattices, you can then describe a proton. You can describe a neutron. And strange enough, you can describe the phenomena of electron as a mechanical mechanism. And it's, it's interesting that we haven't been able to harness much of the energy of the subatomic particles. And so they came up with the strange idea of the Higgs-Bonson, which in my mind also is a strange concept, because its existence would require infinite energy. And so at least it would be considered the God particle if it did exist, because it would require an infinite energy source. Um Harder to grasp the concept of the Higgs-Bonson. And it may exist, 
But what would that imply? Let's say you did create a Higgs boson in a in a uh, in a particle accelerator. Wouldn't you then create a black hole? And I think that's one of the big concerns is the fear ratios were really high that it that they would with these super large you know multi mile accelerators generate a particle that then in essence would start to consume matter where matter would not escape the gravitational pull of that particle it didn't happen but it still uh, created a lot of interesting speculation of the multi-dimension which is becoming pretty popular it's kind of Interesting now with quantum machines, with D-wave machines that they they are accessing other dimensions and borrowing from those other dimensions, processing power. So we do live in a time and age where things are changing rapidly. Our concepts are are changing. Um, we do have machines now that are not von Neumann-based machines but they're quantum-based machines. And like we talked about with AI, is that the AI will, at the lower level, not at the neuron level, but maybe at some of this neural uh, or would be able to access and do some processing with the quantum. So you'd have a combination, a hybrid of conventional machines and quantum machines working together. Now, how good they they would be at solving things that are useful is is left to be seen. We don't we don't see any of the the work that's being done there. We just know that that model could exist or probably does exist. And so you have a lot of people that are trying to say, well, you know, will there be any programming? Of course there's going to be programming. Of course there's going to be programming. New languages, new capability, new comp cycles, faster compute cycles, more power, more abstraction, more complexity. It's just, it's all that, you know, more of the same. Pile it higher and deeper. But even... In my experience, machines have got more powerful, your access to uh, greater compute capability has been more virtual. You know, you don't have to have the supercomputer on your desktop, but you could have the supercomputer on your desktop. There are chips there with supercomputer computing power that could fit in a laptop. Um, you know, I was talking to a colleague about trying to build a business where we set up the machine learning and AI pipelines, and we don't use cloud compute, but we use NVIDIA high-speed uh, GPUs. You know, so for five, $6,000, you set up your GPUs in a, a bank, and you basically create... 
um, a high-speed supercomputer on-site for companies to do their AI and machine learning uh, pipelines. Sounds like a great idea. Just not how do you go from a great idea to actual implementation where someone will let you come in and build that pipeline and let the machine do the analytics and the classification. Of, so you can do either classification, trend, or anomaly, clustering, um, unsupervised learning. And then the last thing is more advanced, but the machine actually could start doing actions, take actions based on input. And that is your self-driving car. It's taking actions based on the inputs that it's reading and um, making decisions. And those decisions then it responds to. So someone walks across your path. It doesn't accelerate. It slows down. It lets that vector move across the path and then continues along its course. Very similar to the way we think as we process and deal with um, inputs. All right, done with the big talk today, and I'll um, be back tomorrow. <laughs>